It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. From baseball's top personalities. The Hall of Famer, one of the great TV broadcasters, Bob Costas is here on A's Cast Live. To the A's legendary players. Five-time Major League Baseball home run champ, Mark McGuire is with us here. You never know what stories you're going to hear. We used to come out here to lunch and run with our shirts off. <laughs> you would say. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Time now for another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend, where we're going to check in with some of the guests that we had from spring training. Guests. We're calling these guys guests now. How about that? The former skipper of your Oakland Athletics, now the skipper of the San Diego Padres, Bob Melvin. I caught up with Sean Manaya. How about this? After he was traded, after he pitched for the Padres against the A's, I did an interview with him in the Padres locker room. That was interesting. Former general manager and uh Serious XM host, along with his partner, we did Jim Duquette and Mike Farron here on the field from the Power Alley for Serious XM right here at Ho Ho Camp Park. But we'll start with a guy that needs no introduction. He means so much to us. Kind of a farewell to us and to UA's fans. Here is Bob Melvin. Well, it's an honor to have the new manager of the San Diego Padres, Bob Melvin, on. I know it sounds strange for all the years having you on A's cast and you know, 95-7 the game and everything, but we're happy for you. The new look in the brown, and you got a new ball club, and I know you're happy. But, you know, first of all, more importantly, it's just great to see you. Thank you. You know, this emotional day, you know, not only for a guy like Sean Manaya, but, you know, I went over to the other side and just so many people that have been big parts of my life. Um, you know, it ends up being a little harder than I originally thought coming over here. But this, this too shall pass, and, and we move on. I'm a new place, but, man, do I have great memories here. Yeah, because the bottom line is what A's fans, I think they know after all the years, is you weren't just somebody that came in and took over the team as a manager. You came in as someone who grew up an A's fan, who grew up going to the Coliseum, who grew up a Bay Area guy, who it wasn't just a job. This meant something to you to put on that uniform and wear the number of Sal Bando. And I think that's something that, you know, people always need to know that you wanted to be here. You love the organization. And that's kind of like a lasting thing I want A's fans to know. Yeah, well said. I mean, they'll, they'll never be you know, that type of feeling anywhere I ever go. So I, I'm really happy where I am. You know, we have a, a roster that's that's built to win. Um, you know, we got a few guys hurt right now, but it just seems, you know, it comes time. And I knew there would probably be another rebuild here. Um, and honestly, I feel so good that Mark Kotze gets to manage here because he's ready to do it as well. And, and he has, you know, history with the organization, history with me. So in that respect, I'm really happy. But, uh, you know, there's no place like Oakland. I will never forget the story you told me when you took over the team in Chicago and you're flying back 
and you're looking at the media guy to figure out who are all these guys, I got to tell you, I thought about that because that's how I felt walking into the clubhouse. <laughs> I was like, I don't know who all these guys are. And that's something that, you know, if you had advice for Mark Kotze on how to deal with a bunch of brand new unknown variables, what would that be? You know, just be himself and, and be in charge. He, you know, it's good that he's had time here in the organization so they know who he is and he knows most of the guys and, and understood who was coming up in the organization too. Obviously during this kind of turnover, there's going to be some trades and some new guys, but I think if anybody's, you know, made for this job here, it's Mark Kotze. I wish him the best and, and he's going to do a great job. The one thing this organization usually has is some continuity at the top, you know, whether it's Billy and David and within the coaching staff as well, minor league coaches and so forth. So he'll, he'll insulate in that. You know, and I think about, you know, when you're going to look across the dugout today, that's a lot of it is your staff. And it's a staff that you help build, you have help grow. Does that give you confidence in where the A's are going to go? Because you know these guys so well. Without a doubt. And they'll overachieve to what everybody's thinking is going to happen this year. It happens every year here. And it has a lot to do with, you know, not only that staff, but Keith Lipman and what he does over uh, with the minor leagues. I, I know when I first came over here, I brought a couple coaches with me. And then getting to know Lip and the people that were in the organization, and he'd say, this guy's ready. And from that point on, it was always internal. And I think it's really good for the coaching, coaches in the organization to know there's a path to the big leagues. And there's always been that path because of guys like Keith Lippin, uh, who runs our who for many years ran our minor league organization. You know, what we talk about with you now coming to San Diego, I mean, it's not your first rodeo, right? You've taken over organizations before. And when you're the captain of a ship, not every ship runs the same way. All ships are different. What is the transition like now being the head of the Padres? Yeah, it's different. And I don't, I don't know why I would expect any, you know, you come in and you kind of do your own thing and then you realize, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that are different here that I have to get used to too. So I'm trying to remain pretty consistent. I'm very routine oriented, as you know, but it's getting to know players. It's getting to know front office staff. It's getting to know support staff and, and it's a lot and they do things a little bit differently. It's way more scout based than, than the A's, you know, scouts are, are omnipresent over there. We're here. It's a little bit more in Oakland. It's a little bit more in the, in the analytic um, you know, not as big a group, uh, you know, here in Oakland is, is a lot of the layers in San Diego, but you know, there's no perfect way in doing it. And I'm just trying to get used to it. And now you got some players like you had, I mean, you had some star players over in Oakland, but you got some star players here. I mean, Manny Machado's put up unbelievable numbers, Fernando Tatis Jr. Hopefully he'll be healthy sooner than later, but you have some real quality players. And when you talked about, I mean, this is a team that is, I think you came here for one reason, it was to win and to win the whole thing. Yeah, that, that's that, there would be no other reason for me to leave Oakland. So when I, I, I've never had a $100 million payroll, let alone a $200 million payroll. So that resonates, and there's some big-time players there. You look at the guys in our rotation, starting with you, Darvish, and you know there's a lot of depth there and, and quality guys there and you know all over the place here. So it's just a little different dynamic, and uh, you know San Diego's probably not going to be a bad city to spend a – spend a summer in as well so it, it's all new to me and um you know sometimes that's invigorating and inspires you how much do they come to you and ask you about sean when they're looking to acquire him they they, be, they better right so um i said look you're, you're not going to find a better teammate than this guy i've, I've for, forever i've called him the world's best teammate so i know he's a little emotional today it's 
I, maybe not the ideal day to pitch him, but it's kind of where we <laughs> the need. day gets traded, <laughs> right? And, and you know, and and so the day he gets traded and pitching against his former team, so we'll cut him a little bit of a break. We just need to get some some pitches out of him today because he's going to pitch in the two spot for us. Um, but hopefully, the fact that I'm here and Ryan Christensen's here and Matt Williams is here, guys that he knows, uh, the transition's a little bit easier for him. But I know this is a hard day for him. Now, Matt Williams, you think of Matt Williams. I know the greatness that you guys had with the Diamondbacks. Uh, I mean, obviously the Indians, he was there. But you think of Matt Williams as a San Francisco Giant, the big Marine, right? And I saw him today, and I looked at him in the Padre uniform. And if there was anybody where it's just like, wow, Matt Williams in a Padres uniform? Yeah, I mean, anything but a Giant uniform, he looks a little different. And even when he was first here in Oakland, even though he fit in really well for him. I've been with Matt. He was a teammate. I've been the bench coach on a team we won a World Series championship with. I was the manager in Arizona when he was a part owner. I was with him in Oakland. I'm with him here in San Diego. I mean, there are certain guys that you you look to bring in and you have the, that kind of confidence and relationship, and he is certainly one of those guys. You've told me in the past that you are not going to be a guy that's going to be the really older manager, that there's a lot of things in your life. I know with your wife, you want to travel. There's things that you want to do. Just how, you know, I know every job's important, every year's important, but, you know, this step for you in your career in San Diego, is this like, is, is this it for Bob Melvin and this is win the World Series now? Because you do it, that that gives you the credentials to be a Hall of Famer. Well, I look, I, I'm just, this is probably past. I was looking at 60, you know, to, to, to call it off, and I never thought of myself as a baseball lifer. But there's, you know, this situation here is, is a little bit different in the fact that this team is really built to win. And, you know, you take one more shot at it. So I would say you're probably right. This is my last gig at this point. But uh, I'm really excited about it. You're not going to be like the old days Sparky Anderson, the way he treated Bob Melvin in the outfield in Detroit? No, no, no. And those were different times. So at that time, he probably treated me the way you're supposed to. It's a little different nowadays, but I don't see myself doing it much longer. You know, I mean, obviously it's emotional for all of us us because i mean how good you were to me and all of us we always just want to say thank you well the feeling's mutual and you're getting me choked up here again townie every time we do this since i've since i've left it's been that way um but you know what you're you're a good friend of mine there's people and acquaintances that you meet in the game and then there's good friends and you're one of those for me it's hard because and as crazy as oakland is and i think this day says it all to where we're trading one of our best pitchers to the Padres, the team that you left for, and he's starting against us on the day. It's just, it's the craziness, but I think it's the bond that made all of us so close. Yeah, it feels like we're in the middle of a vortex today. I mean, it really is. There's so many subplots to it. There's a lot of irony to it. Um, like I said, I'm a little worried about Sean today, but, uh, you know, it's just great to have somebody here from the A's that, you know, player because I was so close to these guys for so long. You know, I watch Matt Chapman on TV and I watch Matt Olson on TV and I, you know, tear up uh, to have a guy like Sean Manaya on our team is going to do a lot for me. Well, I grew up in San Diego. I guess I got to start rooting for the Padres again. We love you and thank you for everything. Thank you. We can be your National League team and I know you vacation there, so hopefully you'll, <laughs> you'll come see me during the season. From the old skipper to the old left-hander, Sean Manaya. after he got done with his start, I caught up with Sean in the Padres clubhouse to say goodbye to A's fans. Well, we really appreciate the time. Obviously, been the strangest day of your career. Just as I'm standing here looking at you in a Padre uniform, 
traded earlier today. You pitched against the Oakland Athletics, your team. Uh, what's this day been like for you? Uh, it's been a lot. Um, you know, I kind of didn't really sink in until I was uh, cleaning out my locker and, um, you yeah, know, putting things away and, you yeah, know, realizing this was like the last time. So um, it was wild, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's still, still baseball. So as far as that goes, it was, uh, you know, pretty – pretty regular um and all that but um definitely weird seeing all the the boys on the a side and you know they were chirping in the first inning which is funny but um yeah i mean it's uh it's all love over there so um yeah just a lot of it's a world been a whirlwind for sure you know i think about when you first came over and i first did your first radio interview years and years ago from the royals and you just think about you know everything that you've gone through in your career with the age to get you where you are today and just the way that you battled through injuries and you and you stayed with it to turn into a great professional just when you summarize your time in oakland some big time games and playoff games just how will you summarize it um yeah definitely uh left it left it all out there um you know i did uh did the best i could and um definitely learned a lot um just like you said going through all those uh you know injuries and um just coming up and being you know a rookie and just learning learning things on the go and um you know just the fact that they gave me the the opportunities to just keep going out there and pitching and, and learning from my mistakes is was huge so um yeah i mean it's been a been a lot of growth, uh, for sure. And then I think about one one thing that's got to be very easy for you for the transition here is going to be Bob Melvin, obviously a guy that you've played for and you've gone to war for so many times. What was that first conversation like earlier today when Bob called? You say, hey, not only you've been traded, you're still throwing yeah. today. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was I was definitely uh, caught off uh, caught off guard when he asked if I wanted to throw, and um, but you know I was like, I guess might as well get it out of the way, and uh, you know I was. Uh, um, definitely weird, but you know I'm glad I uh, was able to go out there and, and, uh, and throw. But um, yeah, seeing Bowmel and uh, Rhino uh, definitely uh, makes it a little bit easier, just because you know friendly faces and, and all that. And you know I've been with Bowmel for you know for a long time. Same with Rhino too. So um, yeah, it's nice being over here and, and uh, having them too. And um, yeah, just continue to go and um, help this help this team win. And there's a reason why they came over here. They came over here because there's a belief that San Diego is in the hunt to try and win the World Series. So you go from a situation where obviously it's tough, mm-hmm. but that's a clubhouse over there that's in total transition. You're now going to a team that's going to be fighting and doing everything they can to win the World Series, and you're one of those pieces they're bringing in. That has to be a pretty big honor. Yeah. Um, you know, it feels great to you know have a, have a team that you know wants me and, and uh, thinks that I can help them win. So... Um, yeah, I'm I'm here for here for them and just excited to get things going and and uh, yeah, I mean just gotta continue to play baseball. Well, the one the one lasting impression I'll have is when Chad Pender came over with you earlier today and knowing that Chad was. Chad has been really the leader in a lot of ways in that clubhouse. And to know that all you guys have been through and knowing that is kind of the end, I thought that was a real special moment for, because I don't think everybody gets that moment. At least you really got today. You got that goodbye moment that so many players don't ever get. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, Bass, I mean, I remember when he got traded, it was kind of, I don't think camp had started yet. So it was kind of, you know, it was pretty much gone before things even started. And, um, you know, Chi and I, he was like one of the first people I met with the A's organization. And, um, yeah, I know, I known him from college and things like that, but, 
um, you know, he's always been one of the boys. And, um, yeah, I mean, be able to go in there and, you know, say goodbye to the guys was, uh, was huge and um, definitely uh, emotional. So, um, yeah, I'm glad I got to, um, you know, just be there for, I guess, one last time. So definitely sitting down the road, though. Well, I think about all the great times, the no-hitter, uh, the big-time games that you pitched in, and you were always so good to us at A's Cast. We've always appreciated it, and as I told Bob earlier today, we're all going to be Padre fans now, rooting for you guys. So good luck. We'll, we'll still talk to you, but good luck this season, and uh, stay healthy. Thank you very much, Tony. Always tough to say goodbye, but Sean Manaya was a terrific Oakland athletic. And now the Duke, Jim Duquette, former general manager multiple times in Major League Baseball, and now a host on Sirius XM uh, MLB channel, The Power Alley, and we caught up with the Duke here at Ho-Ho Camp. How have you been? It's been a while. Everything's been everything's been good. Yeah, been making our rounds through uh, through the Cactus League the last week or so. Getting it, hitting. This is my last one before I head back, and we're going to be on opening day in uh, D.C. for the Mets and the Nats. But yeah, it's been it's been good. I always, you know what? It's been ni- such a nice change. Two years ago, we were out here for spring training just before things shut down, and, we, and obviously last year. There was really no, uh, you know, spring training um, access, so it's just nice to to connect with people we haven't seen, like yeah. you guys, like anyone, and we haven't had a chance to catch up with it. And just the overall you know, information that you can gather by being there, talking off the record, whatever it is, just it just matters, you know, big deal. I'll give you a quick example. We're in Dodger camp. You know, we're wondering, big question is, is Mookie Betts healthy this year? You know, he didn't have a very good year last year. And we're talking to him, and he's like, yeah, I feel good. I feel healthy. I'm, You know, it was a grind last year. And just, we didn't have Mookie Betts over Zoom last year. Mookie Betts didn't have time over Zoom. You know, so it's just completely different that, you know, Freddie Freeman, hey, Freddie, you know, Freddie's giving us the rundown of, of the entire league. He's not going to do that, you know, over Zoom. So I think just those little personal relationships that we've had over the years is what I appreciate. Yeah, I mean, the connections of all your years in baseball and to not being able to see people face-to-face, when that's really what our business is. Yeah, it's, it is. It's, a, it's a people business, and just texting and Zoom and all it's just it. We needed it because yeah. it's the only way we could keep it, keep the ball rolling, but it's just not what we do. It's, not, it's definitely not the same. You know, I think um, – and I think honestly, with the, the the fans, if they're listening to your show or listening to our show, and they're huge baseball fans, there's something that's lacking, you know, in giving that you know the extra detail that they were accustomed to receiving, or the information that we were accustomed to to getting, um, to help kind of talk about the teams in a little bit more depth, a little bit more uh, you know granular information. So I think all of that. You know, thankfully, we're in a different position now. We can, you know, being more careful, obviously, with masks in the clubhouse and stuff like that. But, you know, having those those personal relationships now, are it's going to, I would say, almost back to normal, which is what I think we really appreciate. You know, the one thing they always talk about in sports is before a game or before whatever you're doing, you 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 need a, a pre-shot. You need a you you need some type of thing that you do to get you ready. And you mentioned your show. Your show is my get me ready for the golf. Yep. I mean, really, about four times a week. I mean, you guys, you get me ready. You get me going. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it's it's good. It's always good to hear those stories, and. You know, really, it's 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 uh, you know, compliment to your game that you'll be going to the Masters here coming up soon. Yeah. That that maybe we've helped contribute to iron out <laughs> some of the kinks along the way. I don't know. We'll just take an assist on that if if we can. You know, I I think about what's great about listening to your show 
is the fact that you've been there, you've done it at the highest level. And so something like what we're dealing with right now, so the past four years, you look at the success, going to the playoffs, winning the division, even last year, winning 86 games, to now completely pivot and go a different direction. Fans hate it, but someone like you understands it and you understand that process and can kind of teach us and take us through that. I think that's one of the, the, the special things about listening to your show. Well, no, I th- I, thanks, Chris. I, I, I will say this. You know, with, some teams do it better than others, you know, and I think that the hard part with Oakland is, you know, when you get used to and comfortable with this, this successful team, and it wasn't too long ago, you know, that you know the 2020 camp when we came in here and Oakland was the best team in the league. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't even a question. You know, the next step for them was to – Win the division, go deep into the postseason, and they and they deeper in the postseason, get past the first round, and they did that. And you're like, okay, well, well, how are they going to build on that in 21? You know, they, it didn't quite work out, unfortunately, and now they're back into that kind of rebuild mode or whatever. But they've done it before, right? We saw it 12 to 14. They were good. They were successful. They got to the postseason. They had the reset uh, for a couple years. They had the four year run where they were over 500. So I think all of those things. You know, if you're an A's fan, yeah, it's a bummer. Like, yeah, you see two Matts gone, right? Chapman and Olsen gone. Bassett gone. Probably two others, you know, and Manaya and Montas gone at some point. But you have a high degree of faith with this front office and obviously with the new manager, Marcazzi, that at some point, whenever they, they see it, that they're going to head and be competitive again. And I think that's the thing that um, other franchises that have gone through rebuilds, they don't have the same track record. They're still in the rebuild mode. Yeah. Or they had one year where they got to the postseason and they've gone backwards on the rebuild again. Like Cincinnati is one prime example. So, you know, I think, um, you know, in terms of spending and, and trying to work out the stadium operations, there's always been, unfortunately, something here in Oakland that has tripped them up. And hopefully once that stadium finally gets to, to fruition, that maybe – you don't have to go through these down periods anymore. So what is that like from a front office standpoint? You don't want to go into a reset. No, you want no. to keep your best players. You want to keep trying to win. But you have to go to it. You just know that's just whoever the economics, right. it just it has to go to that next level. How do you sell that? How do you get everybody on board? Because that's a big transition going from, hey, we're here to win it to yeah. we're now going to go in a different direction. Yeah, so – I mean, you know, just watching what, what other, you know, GMs in similar situations. When I was in the front office and, and a GM in particular, we never we never punted a season. You know, we never went into rebuild. We were always trying to, even if it, we were looking at our team like, man, this is this might be a struggle. <laughs> this might be a team that's not going to win. But you're still, you're still going into it with the hope that you can compete. And if everything goes well, you've got to. 10% chance, 20% chance of getting to the postseason. So you ride that out and you make decisions based off of that. But but now when you uh, are in that moment where you are in a rebuild, I always look around and say, you know what, the teams who do it well are the ones that are transparent about it. Just just be open about it. You might not come out and say, yeah, we're rebuilding. But by your moves, you know, you're in that position. And, you know, you ask for you ask for patience. Not every fan is on board with that. But you realize that at some point this is the right call within your market and within what you're, what you're budgeted from your, from your owner to, to spend. And I think that, you know, again, if, if this was a new front office trying to sell their fan base on a, a new transition, 
it's not that easy to to have buy-in if you're a fan or if you're you know an analyst like like we are looking at this going yeah well this is a wait and see moment you know for this franchise but but with because of you know David obviously and Billy both Billies you know and 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 the whole group that they have here because they've had that success before you can feel comfortable at some point here um, this rebuild will turn back around again and they'll be competitive again this division's going to be tough you know I mean Texas just went through a huge rebuild right the last time they won was 2016 they had to spend 600 million dollars just to get to a point where they're not even going to be 500 this year and they admit it they're like this is a step forward but but we have still ways to go Oakland's never going to be in that situation even with a new stadium I mean let's be let's be honest about it they're not going to spend if they do it's going to you know they've going to probably lost their mind to some degree to spend you know 300 million plus on a guy like like Seager so you know, I think that what what Oakland is doing is just accumulating as much talent, young talent as they can, and and give them the opportunity, and then they can fill in around it. I think that 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 that's, that model's still going to apply, but I think when you get the, let's say the next, you know, uh, Cole Irvin, Caprillion, next Montas, next Bassett, instead of flipping them for a couple of prospects, maybe you can sign them to a long term extension. I think that's that's the hope that um, that Oakland will get to that point at some point here fairly soon. And Mark Kotze, you got a chance to speak with him over in the dugout before you get out of here. And I think about, you know, being on Melvin's staff, being a coach, being a former player, knowing everybody not only here with the 40-man, but knowing everybody in the minor league system. How important in this kind of retool reset is to have the right manager, the right guy, as I say, at the front of the bus, the front of the plane, who still has to lead this thing. Well, you know, leadership is a funny thing because – you know, not everybody is made out to to handle that position. You know, and and I've gone through uh, transitions where a guy was a coach for your team, and the players looked at him in one sense, and then as soon as you put him in the manager's role, they they couldn't take out of their mind that he was their bench coach or the third base coach, or they took they tested him or they took advantage of the fact that he was new to the position, and that relationship got off to a rocky start. A guy like Mark, you know, it, it seems like he has the right mindset the right balance he certainly has the support of the front office and I think as his you know whether it's falling back on Terry Francona and some of the lessons he learned from him or, or Jim Leland as he was saying you know to to all of us here a little while ago or Freddie Gonzalez all of the major league managers that he's played obviously Bob Melvin you know you take a little bit or a couple of things from each of those guys to help kind of guide you through those moments where that first year can be a tough one. I, uh, how do I handle this situation? Okay, what have I learned along the way? Here's what Leland would do. Here's what Bob Melvin would do. Here's how I'm going to do it. And you kind of take bits and pieces there. And listen, the one thing I would say with Mark, um, you know, there's not that pressure to make a bullpen change and, oh, this is going to decide the division or not. This move of bringing in Trevino in the eighth, you know, late in, this, late in the year against the Rangers or against the Astros – isn't going to be at the end of the day whether they win or lose the American League West title. He can learn and can kind of cut his teeth and make his mistakes early on. And I think that, you know, he has the baseball acumen to do this job long term, which is what you're always looking for when you're trying to hire a first-time manager. Uh, Let's end on this. With the changes that we saw in the CBA, as a front office guy, you like, dislike, you can take advantage of. How did you see it? Well, you know, it's it's interesting (laughs) – Talking to some of the front offices over the last couple of days, 
and something that they weren't even consulted with was the the number of options to the minor leagues yeah. that you're restricted on. Now they they gave you. It was it was referred to as a get out of jail free card. The, the, the April you don't, you can option them and bring them back up as often as you want, and and then so starting May first because of the 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 shortened spring training, they won't start counting the five options until until May first. Uh, no front office guy loves likes that. He likes being restricted. You guys love flexibility. I mean, you like to play with you know 50, 50 roster spots if we could. You know, I mean, the more the merrier. We were talking to David Stearns in, in Milwaukee's camp, and he's like, you know, I had four guys that I optioned up and down to the minor leagues more than five times last year. Like just just kind of going at it, and he, you know, he named the, the, all four guys, and that's a valuable commodity to have guys that go back and forth because you know you're 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 keeping your bullpen fresh and, and having arms that you know in case you you, uh, you break glass and have an emergency, you've got somebody to go to, and not a position player. So. You know, I think with with that's the one that I'm not. You know, there there are others, but that's the one rule that I'm not quite sure is going to work well for front offices. They'll get around it, and I think the idea. I like the idea of it. It's like, okay, you're going to go with your starters. Um, you're not going to be making eight p- pitching changes a night if you're restricted that way. But I think that restricting player movement is not what we're really in the business to do. So, and especially hearing that there wasn't a lot of GM input on that particular one, I'm kind of scratching my head wondering. How did this one? How did this rule get in place? It's interesting, especially certain teams like this team this year. Yeah, the A's yeah. could be a it's team that example. want to move yeah. a lot of people. I'll just say this, and Cody will vouch for me on this. All the time, I'll say, "Hey, Duke and Farron, we're talking about this. We steal from you all the time. See, because you're on a <laughs> yes. lot earlier than we are. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'll take like, hey, they had a really good idea. They had a good guess. They had a good point. Uh, I, I religiously, I listen to your show almost on Appreciate an everyday it. basis, and I, I have no problem. I take from you guys all the time. It's a, hey, we don't mind being, you know, everyone's prepped during the course of the day, <laughs> so not a problem. Feel free. You don't even have to credit us anymore. I'm sure you're, uh, occasionally your I listeners do. might let I us do. know. <laughs> but we'll take that. We'll take it anyway. E- either way, but we always appreciate you guys having us on. And and uh, yeah, keep listening. Keep paying Farron's bills. You know, he he's he's the expensive contract of of this group. So if you're listening, you're paying the subscription, and you can uh, you know contribute to his salary here down the road. I told him. I said after you know you get the new car and you yeah, get yeah. XM for free. You see what he's driving out here. And then all of a sudden yeah. the subscription was up. It's like yeah. hey, because of you guys, it's I not a coincidence, it. Chris. It's not a coincidence. He's driving that that little. Uh, Lincoln Town Car around here, you know, like he owns Phoenix. It's he, because you're paying our bills. So, you know, paying his gas bills at least. You think he could buy me a beer one time? Well, one, one time. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe to winter meetings this year. Maybe. Hey, thank you so much right, for man. the time. Safe travels Anytime. back east, and uh, hopefully we'll have you on again soon. Yep, good to see you guys in person. And right after the Duke, we got his partner, our buddy Mike Farron, who's one of the best in our game. Well, as I say all the time, if there's one overrated show on Sirius XM that I can't stand, <laughs> it's that thing about an alley. What kind of alley is it? Is it the power out? What, what, what alley? Who even does that show? Some guy who was a GM and uh, some radio guy. Who is that? You know, let me, let me tell you. First of all, I want to give your listeners on Ace Cast a full picture of what Chris Townsend thinks he can do. Coaches are getting ready, playing catch, getting ready to throw, and Townie basically interrupts a game of catch to come and hang out. Like, 
Like, you own the place. I didn't realize that it was Chris Townsend Fisher was the name, was your name here. You acted like you own the Oakland Athletics. What are you doing? They're getting ready to work, and you're out there in the middle of it? Come oh, you, on, Townie. I, you never saw back in the day when I'd walk on the field and have chats with Bob Melvin on the field oh, during batting sure. practice. I'm sure. Well, yeah, but it's one thing, like, if you're standing around the cage, but come on. Yeah. Well, when you when you when you're an old dog like me, you've kind of a, you just don't care anymore. I've just been I've just been around longer than any of these people. That's, the, that's a, you know, and that's the funny thing is you guys have been in the clubhouse. It's such a major transition yeah. of going from here we were talking about World Series, winning the division, tired of being a wild card team at 97 wins to a complete pivot, but. Everybody, you know, it's the business of baseball. It's like the players understand more than ever before what that business is. Do you get that sense? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that they, they certainly have a good understanding of what the both the, the positives and the negatives are in the way team building goes. And I think, you know, I think players have an understanding here because the, the script has been fairly similar over the last 20 years for the A's of, you know, what it means until they can break ground on a new stadium. And I know this week presented some new challenges, you know, what it's going to be like. So I, I'm, you know, I think the players here, I think one of the things that, that when we were talking to players that really stands out is the A's are a great place for players to have opportunities, right? Lou Trevino was one of those guys that took full advantage of that. And I think that there's going to be players that you see in the mix this year, you know, whether it's a guy like Sheldon Noisy or it's, you know, like, say, a Dalton Jeffries or whatever, that are going to take advantage of that opportunity. And they're going to be augmented by good professionals in the minor leagues because Billy Owens always signs the best six years because Billy Owens is the best. So, like, I think I think in terms of, of you know, as disappointing as it is for a lot of A's fans, and I know it is with um, the trades that have been made and the ones that are likely coming, this organization never stays down for too long, and they're pretty good at, for the most part, at trying to remain competitive while they build the organization from within. Well, and, and you'll see these teams that just stink forever. And it's like the A's, like whenever you think, oh, the A's are, that's when they surprise you. Right. Well, and that's, that was my argument on this team is I know that they're, they are not, um, listen, I'm not going to pick them to go to the playoffs. I don't think anybody would. (laughs) I'm not sure internally that they, that they, you know, their projections would have to be pretty rosy for that to happen. Um, But I think that they're probably going to end up with a better record than we anticipate because... They are good at identifying those players. They are going to, at least for the first half, it seems like, have Manaya and Montas. Cole Irvin had a really nice season. There is some intriguing um, there is some intriguing depth in the pitching side. And I think that there are some guys that just need an opportunity offensively. I'm a big Kevin Smith guy. I have been back since his day at, at University of Maryland. Um, I think Sheldon Noisy getting an opportunity is going to be, you know, that's a potential power bat who um, is good enough defensively that he can stand in at shortstop but um, is better at other spots. I think Pache has a chance to be a really good player. He's a tremendous defender. Um, so, like, there's some things that, that even with the, these kind of unproven guys that I think that there's, there is some room for growth 
um, with them that you know you can start to see, okay, well, maybe they're not the stars on the next good A's team, but they're a big part of it. And I think you'll see that over the course of this year. And, you know, it's the A's, so there's going to be two or three of those guys that end up getting to that point as opposed to maybe just one, which is what you've seen in those teams that have gone through these deep, long rebuilds. Well, and, you know, talking to these guys, it's basically, you know, you're auditioning for this team and 29 other teams. I mean, yeah, that's just reality. Well, I mean, yeah, I think that there's some of that. I mean, I think that's that's the case when you're kind of on the end of the roster, more than anything in in any spot that you're you know you're auditioning for other spot uh, other places. But again, like if you're gonna if you're somebody who feels like you're a major leaguer and you just haven't gotten an opportunity, why wouldn't you come here? Because their track it's the record land is, of opportunity. Well, yeah, it is. I mean, literally, like Oakland is America, right? Yeah. Like, like th- this is, but. But they they have such strong history of giving Wait, chances. Did to those he guys. just come up with? We have a new slogan: Oakland is America. I should really copyright that. Wow, you're going to steal it and oh, you're going to oh, make a lot of money on it. I steal from your guys' show all the time. Yeah, I know. We like to joke that we're America's show prep. So, <laughs> I mean, where's where's Neil Diamond coming to America when we need it? <laughs> <laughs> Oakland is America. We're a we're a reflection of society and community. In yes, the there you go. America. That's perfect. We're gonna make T-shirts. You know what? I'll cut you. Will in you, on get, like will you give five, me a freebie? No, I'll get you like five percent of the uh, <laughs> of, of the profits. I, I I do love it though. We have a new slogan. Oakland is America. The Coliseum is, is is the last dive bar in baseball. I love that moniker for it too. By the way, that's so good. And now we're uh, Amer- Oakland is America. Oakland is America, yeah. It is. You've been traveling around, obviously. Is this your – you got what, one or two more after this? Two more left. So I've been everywhere – I will have been everywhere in Arizona except for Cleveland camp. So um, so I've got Royals and A's to go. Or Royals and, and Reds to go. I, I know you've talked about in the past, you know, listening to your show, about how you get a good sense about every single team in a normal spring training. Yeah. Are you able to do that with the limited time now? You know, it's you. Yeah, to some degree, you can still because it's not about. To me, it's not about looking at the talent. It's about getting the vibe and just getting getting those conversations that are off microphone while you're in camps to get you a better feel for it. So I can I can give you a sense of who has a positive vibe, who's not sure whether they're going to be competitive or not. You know where where there's uncertainty lies and where there's confidence. And then when you have you know, some of those teams that are trying to get over the hump, um, you know, whether or not they have that kind of it factor to them. You know, I, I should really call it the Dodger factor because that's one of the most incredible things about Dodger camp is that whether they have been to the World Series or they get knocked out in the first round of the playoffs, the edge is always there for them. It's really unique. You know, Freddie Freeman told us a great story about they went into the first hitters meeting and guys were complaining about their season a year ago and how, how bad it was and how they were disappointed. And he looked around and he's like, you guys won 106 games. So, like, there, you get a really good feel for that. I just am – this spring more than any other spring, and it should be the lesson for every spring training – None of what happens on the field matters. None of it matters to me. It's guys that are getting work in. You know, it's a first chance to see some younger guys. But the results and what everything looks like, we know as soon as opening day hits, it's a completely different ballgame. You know, half of my audience will love what I'm about to say. The other half's going to hate it. And I always bring up, because I'm a San Jose State Spartan, well, the great San Jose State Spartans was Bill Walsh. Uh-huh. So I always like to bring up the 49ers dynasty. My Raider fans hate it. But – it is a reality 
that what you're talking about with the Dodgers is 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 a lot like Bill Walsh in Montana back in the day and Ronnie Lott and those guys that everything that they did from the moment they stepped into their version of training camp, which for us is spring training, everything they did from that moment, from the very first meeting to the very first workouts, everything was to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. That was the only thing that mattered. Everything they talked about, everything they worked for was to get them to the Super Bowl. Obviously, that's not going to happen in this camp with the guys we're looking at right now as we're on the field at Ho-Ho Camp Park doing this show. But what you're talking about with the Dodgers, that's the mentality. They they didn't have that years before. They have that now, and yeah. that's impressive. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it is. I think it's, to me it's more that you're consistently successful and yet you're still hungry for more. That's the part that I think is really gets my attention. Listen, there's a lot of places where – the goal is to win the World Series, right? I mean, that's I mean, every camp, even if it's a team that you feel like but it's is like rebuilding. Jerry, you know? Jerry Rice, two days after the Super Bowl, winning the Super Bowl, outrunning sprints and pass right. patterns. I mean, that's that's you know? yeah, that's part that's of that it. mentality. But it, but it, yeah, and it and it's that you know you're not taking anything for granted. Or hey, listen, we're the most talented team in the league. We know it. Um, they know it, but they also ha- go out and prove it again, night night after night, and. You know, they get their opponents' A games every single time. So, you know, that's and, – and it's, it's a tough thing to try and, and, you know, create. I think it just has – it has to do with the personalities that you have and, you know, who the people are that you, you have in your organization as to whether or not you have enough guys that are made up that way. Now, listen, that doesn't mean you can't win without, you know, that kind of feeling to it. Um, there are certainly plenty of teams that have. But it's. I think it is. It makes sustained success a lot easier, you know. And I, and listen, I think that that's the East teams over the last four years had that. I mean, that was the feeling. At least you know, I hadn't been in the clubhouse since 2020, but in 18, 19, 20, that was the feel I got from them. Was you know, this is a team that expects to win. This is a team that it's going to win and it's going to do what it takes. So it's been in here before, and I think you know, Marcotte is that kind of guy, and I think. You know, as the talent continues to progress in this organization, you're going to see that as well. So, traveling around the Cactus League, obviously the Dodgers we know. Who else? Who are the teams? Maybe the White Sox. Who are the teams that you look at going, you know, I see them in October. Yeah, I think the White Sox are the one. The A.J. Pollock trade, like everybody's going to call it the Kimbrell deal because it's the Dodgers and Kimbrell's one of the you know, best ten yeah. relievers of all time. Um, but A.J. Pollock to the White Sox is such a massive upgrade over what they had production-wise from right field last year, even if Pollock only plays two-thirds of the season and he's had, you know, injury history, uh, a significant injury history, it's a huge upgrade for them, too. So we were there, you know, uh, what, two days before that trade happened. But the White Sox are definitely one of those teams. I think they're they're right at the top of, of the list in terms of, you know, those teams that we anticipate winning out here. Milwaukee is another one. I think the the Brewers have a chance to be a hundred-win team. I think they're that good. Um, I think they are. They have, I think, the best trio of starting pitchers in Burns, um, Woodruff, and Peralta of anybody in the National League. I think their offense is better than people realize. You know, they got off to a slow start last year, um, and then once they got cooking, once Colton Wong came back and they traded for Willie Adamas, they had a four-month stretch where it was a pretty good offensive squad, and even for all of Yelich's struggles, he was still getting on base. So there were, there were a lot of things to like about where Milwaukee is. Um, that's another one that really stands out to me. And then from that next group of, like, well, maybe they'll contend, 
you know, may, or maybe they'll take another step forward. I'm really curious to see what happens with Seattle. Every year they have a good clubhouse, um, and they seem to have the, the 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 right direction. Now they have some exceptional pieces, and so that's a spot that I'm really interested in watching how that transpires this year. I think they're still a little bit short on on from a talent standpoint. Although Julio Rodriguez might change that on his own because he's pretty special, but they're a they're a really interesting team. Well, one guy who's showing up here tomorrow, and I can't wait to kind of break up his uh, media scrum, is going to be Bob Melvin. Uh-huh. I'm definitely going over for that. Uh, I'm sure he'll appreciate that. <laughs> I can't wait for him to show up. Uh, what do you think about the Friars? So I think they're a team that everyone is sleeping on a little bit because they were such high expectations last year, and obviously it didn't work out. Um, but they're they're still pretty good. I think they're starting pitching depth, even if they end up, you know, while we're talking, there's the rumors about the Chris Paddock, yeah. Eric Hosmer, Emilio Pagan trade. Even if that were to happen, I really like the health and the depth of their starting rotation. So I think they're in better shape. They're going to have Clevenger back at the beginning of the season, which is going to make a big impact. Um, and I think the big question is, can they withstand those two months without – Fernando Tatis Jr. And I think they're in a better position with Bob as the manager to do that. Now, this is not to, to say anything ill of Andy Green or, or Jace Tingler, who were the two previous managers, but this ain't Bob's first rodeo. You know, I mean, it's what, the fourth team that he's managed in the big leagues, right? So he's been through this before. He understands it. And I think he's going to get his guys ready to play. And I think one of the things that stands out to me, so this was an interesting little nugget, I thought. Bob is hitting fungos every day because Bob hits fungos every day, right? And the guy that he's going out and hitting fungos to is Manny Machado. So that's by design because so Bob knows. Yeah, I mean, Bob knows that Manny's the leader in that clubhouse. And Bob wants to get to know Manny and what makes him tick and what he needs to do. And Manny, there's a lot of. I think there's a lot of misconceptions about Manny in terms of his work ethic and, you know, because he plays with a little bit of swag. And I think when he was a younger guy, he wasn't always the best teammate in Baltimore. That doesn't sound like it's been an issue in San Diego. And I know he puts the work in dude posts, right? And so I think that's a really interesting development there and how their relationship evolves and, you know, how Bob is able to handle that. But, I mean, like all the things that you worry about with a first-year manager, out the window for San Diego because – you know, there are very few things that Bob hasn't seen in this game. Well, Jim Duquette probably made your partner the best point uh, earlier before you came on. Talk about how the fact that, you know, I had to up my subscription to XM to now get it in my wife's car for country oh. music. That he said that because you live this extraordinary lifestyle down here. It's in the extravagant, Valley Sun, yes. That, that kind of, it's kind of because of me. Yes. I, I've been loyal to you constantly re-upping my subscription well we would encourage everyone to support my lifestyle by getting a subscription to sirius I mean, xm whether the, in your car or on the app you had the black town car rolling up here today you got you got multiple producers people holding your <laughs> microphone for you i mean i hope i'm contributing to the success and the lifestyle well i appreciate you your money there. more than i appreciate you well i'm just this is what i'm here for <laughs> it's bad enough that i have to work with a spartan Part of the time with Franzen. Oh, my boy Franny, one of the great San Jose State Spartans of all time. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, I think that says more about leader. San Jose State than it does about Franzen. Wow, <laughs> then you don't want to know my stats, my word. If you think he was bad, uh, we always. No, I love to give him a hard time. Franny's one of my favorite people alive, so. 
And how he's getting jobs, I don't know. I'm just yeah, happy. Yeah. I'm happy he's employed. Yeah, so's his wife. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> hey, we always appreciate the time. You yeah, know, it's good to see you. You know, the the thing is, is I can actually tell you about the stuff you guys talk about, so you know I listen to your show. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Well, we appreciate your patronage and your support, and and uh, my mortgage appreciates the money you spend more than anything. Jeeps, just keep making my show. It's a big prep. mortgage payment because uh, uh, it's a. Huge palatial estate. On the way to the golf course, I'll pull out that pen- pencil and I'll write, what did Farron say? Oh, yeah, they made a good point. That's a good topic. <laughs> I'm stealing from you guys all the time. Well, we're happy to, we're happy to do your work for you. We work so you don't have to. We'll see you soon. Thanks all for right, coming buddy. on. Good to see you. Well, we'd like to thank Bob Melvin, Sean Mania, Jim Duquette, and Mike Farron for joining us down here at spring training for a little spring training edition of A's Unfiltered. Now back to A's Cast, powered by iHeartRadio. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.